In June, by an overwhelming bipartisan vote, state lawmakers approved legislation requiring an assessment of the electric vehicle charging infrastructure in the state and directs the state to carve out a pathway to improving reliability of charging stations. To discuss this bill and electric vehicle charging stations more broadly, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Connor Bambrick, Director of Policy for Environmental Advocates NY. Welcome back to the show, Connor. Thanks for having me, David. So this bill is designed to ensure the reliability of the state's publicly accessible electric vehicle charging stations. What does reliability look like in the short term, like 2025, when the state has a goal of reaching about 850,000 zero emission vehicles? Basically, it's really critical to have a reliable infrastructure network out there for EV adoption. What that means is you have a situation where, by and large, if you live in a single family home, you're likely able to charge at home. But if you're living in sort of an urban setting or you don't have access to that at-home charging, a reliable infrastructure in place that's publicly accessible is is critical for, for that population to be able to feel comfortable moving forward with an electric vehicle purchase. And in the short term, though, what should we be expecting from these public charging facilities, you know, right around the corner in 2025? We should be expecting the ability to plan out trips, to plan out when you're going to be charging. Even if you're traveling locally, there will be charging needs that come up from time to time. And if you're going uh, longer distances, knowing that there are stops along the way that if you pull off, you will be able to access a charger and that charger is actually going to work. And how about 10 years later? What sort of reliability should we be striving for, say, in 2035, when the state is planning on stopping the sale of passenger vehicles that run on fossil fuels? Yeah, that's uh, really going to come down to some comprehensive planning around uh, making sure the entire electrical grid is ready to handle the electrification of the transportation sector. So that's that's planning out, making sure we're making upgrades where needed, making sure we have access to fast publicly available charging stations throughout. So they'll require investments on the utility side and also investments on the charging side. So the companies that that own and operate these charging facilities, making sure that they're building out as well. So let's turn to the legislation passed in June. What, if anything, does this do in terms of meaningful steps forward to ensure a reliable grid in the future? Is this just another study feel-good bill, or is there some teeth to this? It's, it's notable that, that this bill is addressing the, the issue that, that we, as a state, don't really have a handle on what the infrastructure looks like currently and what the plan is going forward. So what this bill does, it just sets a basic sort of baseline for us. Any new charging infrastructure that comes in after 2025 under this legislation uh, would just have to fall under a a basic reporting metric so that we understand uh, what's out there, how long those uh, stations are available and open, uh, and and when, when are they inoperable. Uh, this will give uh, the Public Service Commission, you know, that, that just that baseline data that they're going to need to then move forward to properly regulate the industry to make sure that the reliability needs are being met. And in the legislation, there's references to something called uptime. Can you explain uh, what that is and why that's a critical part of our electric vehicle future? So what they're talking about with uptime is that period of time when a charging station can dispense electricity to, to charge your vehicle. 
so that's a combination of uh, the hardware uh, being operable as well as the software required to, to operate the, the station. So they're looking to collect data on just how much time uh, is available to the consumer. So is this legislation primarily about the network of charging stations around the state and the proliferation of them in different areas and in in meaningful areas to facilitate travel? Or is this also considering the technology itself and how far it's coming and needs to go in order to ensure that people can travel in a way that they're familiar with in terms of going a long way without needing to constantly uh, get refuel or new energy in this capacity? I think it's a combination. Uh, it does you know, require uh, the, the commission to examine uh, just where these stations are, are being installed, uh, where they're being operated. And in particular, you know, are they being d- dispersed equitably? Are they uh, reaching disadvantaged communities? Are they uh, being urban versus rural settings as well. So it's it's sort of getting that that sense of, you know, just where the chargers are going, uh, but then also figuring out a way to develop incentives to make sure that the chargers are being equitably cited going forward. And that component of the Public Services Commission's work after they've done the studies and assessed the landscape, they have a mandate to use incentives to improve electric vehicle charging station reliability. What sort of incentives would they be deploying? Is it just about subsidizing the charging stations or do they have other uh, tools in their tool bag? They have the potential to to provide uh, additional subsidies, but I, I think they also, uh, you know, this legislation has an eye towards creating sort of a regulatory framework uh, for how these stations are going to operate in the future. And when we think about our existing framework for fueling up vehicles, aka gas stations, was the state providing any incentives for those to open? And if not, why should the state be in the business of paying for the gas stations of the future? I don't think the state should necessarily be in the position of actually paying for for these stations. There are entities out there that are showing that they can make be a profitable venture for them. I think the state's role in here is ensuring reliability. Uh, and that's always been the case when it comes to the electric sector. So making sure that uh, the utilities are providing adequate services to make sure that these charging stations are, are up, running, and effective. And, uh, you know, making sure that the owners and operators of these charging facilities are held accountable for their operations. Well, then to circle back to that idea of subsidies and whether they're necessary, do the mandates that we have in place in terms of prohibiting the sale of cars that rely on fossil fuels in the future and other subsidies we have to increase the purchase of electric vehicles, do those do enough to drive the market so that people will want to open up their own charging stations and see revenue opportunities there? Yes, I, I do. I think, you know, in the near term, uh, there, there there will need to be subsidies to make sure that, that charging stations are available to the public. As we're getting to that sales target by 2035, 100% zero emissions vehicles, uh, the idea is that the, the market will be fully developed at that point and infrastructure will be in place. 
thinking about the grid in the future, what should we expect compared to today's travel regimen? For example, when I fill up the old Honda Accord, I can expect about 500 miles before I need to refill. And then when I do refill, I'm at a pump for a few minutes and I can move on. What's the comparable travel of 500 miles like in a sedan that you envision 20 years from now? Is it a time frame like that? Or will I need to charge for longer? Will I need to charge more frequently? What should we be expecting? I think, you know, currently uh, the situation is, uh, you know, with the, with the newer technologies, the newer vehicles that are coming out there, we're, we're seeing uh, ranges around, you know, the, you know, above 300 miles to charging time. Uh, if you do have to charge on a longer trip of 300 miles or more, you can build up uh, that charge uh, significantly within a 20 to 30 minute time frame uh, with a fast charger. I think that those technologies, both on the battery side and the charging side, are only going to improve. Uh, so uh, you know, I think this will be uh, quicker and more efficient going forward. So in that time frame that you laid out, you know, we could be looking at a 500-mile range uh, and a, you know, a charging stop of you know, 10 to 15 minutes. So we just began the process in the last couple of years of overhauling the state's service plazas. And in the plazas, they're putting in some electric vehicle charging stations. But if the charges are going to take 15 to 20 minutes, potentially, at least in the near term, do you think those stations are built out with the correct capacity? Or are they going to have to revisit those to accommodate much more, given the fact that you can't turn them over as fast as a gas pump? In my experience, uh, yes, I think they're going to have to revisit it. Uh, I don't think there are enough ports available. We're going to need to see, uh, you know, more ports available to to particular uh, going forward. So, yeah, they're going to have to, I think, revisit this. Will there need to be places for people to wait while they charge their vehicles? Or is there an expectation that people would wait in their cars? I think what we're seeing uh, in terms of the, the current charging situation um there are sort of destinations it's not as though these uh stations are being put out in the middle of nowhere uh there's usually uh if we're looking at the thruway rest stop there are, are uh, places to go inside uh but uh if we're looking off thruway you know there, we're seeing charging stations put up in shopping centers and whatnot so uh, there are options that don't want to sit in their car during the assembly vote on this measure, a GOP assembly member from upstate New York brought up this recurring issue that he highlights whenever there's talk about green energy stuff, uh, including the technology involved with electric vehicles and specifically their batteries and how some of those materials are secured. And he talked about uh, the mining of cobalt and kids being put into dangerous situations. Is that something that should be on our mind as we think about these mandates and this rush to increase capacity of uh, electric vehicles and other green technology that uh, might require some dangerous situations for people to secure those materials? I think always when we're thinking about the supply chain of, of any of these technologies, we should definitely be making sure we're addressing, you know, using best practices, uh, you know, to the extent that we can control them, uh, of course. But I mean, if you look at the 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 fuels are relying on now and the damage that's being done there, 
the fossil fuel companies are are out there heating up this planet, uh, and we need to do everything we can to to be moving away from that. But I guess the comparison isn't exactly as direct because I don't think there's say kids that are dying on a, an oil rig, for example, right? Well, if we start looking at the, the more extreme weather events and wildfire situations that we've been seeing um, uh, over the past couple of years, you know, the uptick has been significant this, this past year. Uh, there are certainly people that are, that are out there dying as a result of the changing climate. Do we need to modernize the way we secure some of this technology, though? We constantly need to be examining supply chain issues and identifying uh, areas where we can make improvements. Absolutely. Well, we've been speaking with Connor Bambrick. He is the Director of Policy for Environmental Advocates NY. Connor, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.